0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 51st episode of VisionCon Live, your go-to nerdy talk show. I'm your host, Zach Wilson, but you didn't come here to see me today, you can to meet the woman of the hour. She's Eris Morin from the Destiny franchise, Light Hope from she everyone from Moss, just to <laughs> name a few. She's the radiant legend whose skill level knows no limits. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the one, the only... Morla Gorondona. Well, how are oh my today? My
1: goodness, what a lovely, lovely introduction! My goodness, thank <laughs> you so much. I'm so so happy to be here.
0: Well, it fits the guest, and I mean, honestly, I do want to get one thing out of the way real quick. It is great talking to you again, Morla, because this is about the third or so time we've actually <laughs> for interview Which I got to be honest, guys, and if any of the guests that are upcoming are watching this or another celebrity guest maybe like hey maybe i want to be on the show i am totally for you guys maybe video chatting me beforehand because i appreciate the trust you guys are putting with me but i could be anyone (laughs) like like like, i don't know just it's just something i've always thought was weird
1: well i yeah i just like to have uh pre meetings one just to kind of get an idea of your vibe and our rapport, so I can prepare for it and then I like to have a separate kind of technical meeting just uh just to make sure like everything's like I didn't forget to like plug in my microphone <laughs> <laughs> or something of the sort and i having having run my own podcast like i if it just feels like why. Just give yourself give yourself the the uh, the comfort of, of doing it ahead of time. And it was nice. I got to see you three times. It's really Oh my good.
0: god, yeah. I mean, yeah <laughs> my cup raneth over for sure. All right. Now guys, before we get started, I have a special announcement today, guys. Because this week's episode is of VisionCon Live is brought to you by the HALP Network. The HALP Network helps talented freelancers, professionals, and small businesses get in contact with content creators that they're looking for. They also provide classes, webinars covering a variety of fields in the entertainment industry suited for both novices and professionals wanting to enhance their craft. From actors to film editors to even motion capture stages, the HALP Network is here to help you. Get connected. Visit them online at www.helpnet.com to see how you can improve your life with their help. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and thank you so much to Help Network for sponsoring this video.
1: They really are wonderful. I've worked with them a number of times, I've known the people, the folks over at Help for a, a, a long time. Chip Beeman is one of the first people that I, I met in the industry. And Julia and Julian and Robert are all just incredibly lovey, lovely people. So Robert, I you, agree
0: with that. Robert, if you're watching this right now, you are the man. You are just so <laughs> easy to work with and just such a sweet guy. And everybody at the Halp Network yeah. is so amazing. And if you're watching this later on YouTube or, or listening to this later on Spotify, I got the, all the links to the Halp Network down there in the description box below, guys. <laughs> I right, Well, to kick things off more, because like, we got a pretty stacked episode, I want to start us right off with yeah. Named a bunch of characters already in the intro. Yes. That is just a taste of the plethora of characters that you have played throughout your career. But what I want to get to first is how did we get here? Was showbiz kind of always the plan, or did something kind of happen later in life that brought you here?
1: Yeah, well, column A, column B, it's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I always wanted to be an actor. I did my first play in second grade. I was Gretel in The Sound of Music. Oh. And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, I want to do this." And then uh and then somewhere like in college, I I was hired for my first um my first com- my, my first commercial. It was a um it was, uh, uh, was from Missis- uh, the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And it was, um, that was the first voiceover that I did. They wound up actually ch- choosing, opting to go with Morgan Freeman instead of me, but I was like, I get it, so it's sure. fine.
0: <laughs> it's Morgan
1: Freeman. <laughs> it's fine, I, it's fine. Um, but the voice diction class was always my absolute favorite class in college. And, um, and then when I went to New York, I. I wound up um i wound up just getting i, I had a i had a screen agent and then i left a message for my screen agent on uh on a voicemail that's <laughs> dating me but um the vo agent was like she's a voice actor and she just like took over my took over me as her client and so then i wound up going up for voiceover for like commercials and stuff like that but my heart really wasn't in the commercials like it was fun to do but it wasn't really in that in that and then uh and then and then i learned about games and bioshock uh and and i saw i got to see bioshock being played and it was just a really transformative experience for me and um, the more I learned about games, um, the for games, I realized it's really just it's so much of everything that I love about um, theater without any of the limitations and it's um, It's just it's it was it's super exciting. So I, I just decided to do that. In fact, I said um, If there is ever a sequel, I
0: will be in the sequel
1: and I, and I was. <laughs>
0: yeah. All of this yeah. through a, after a voicemail too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, just like all these, life is so like this. And I'm sure, you know, everyone has a similar kind of like the, looking back over the tiny little series of events that brought you to a place, like a, a, de- a destiny, uh, uh, a, 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 an inevitability and like it was like, oh, it was always supposed to be VO. I just didn't know it yet.
0: Sure. It didn't quite click quite yet.
1: Yeah. And then I was like, oh, of course. It all it all led to this.
0: So it's great. Well, we got a bunch of characters that I kinda want to dissect real quick if okay. we can. But before we start, guys, a lot of you have either already messaged VisionCon directly or put your live questions or comments in the live chat here on Facebook. You guys have plenty of time to do so. I just wanted to let you guys know that we're going to get to those at the end. So just stay tuned. But with that, guys, the first character I want to talk about is a character that a lot of people love. A little bit of a foreboding character, but a character whose design I am in love with to the point that I was telling my best friends about interviewing you and uh, her dad was in the room and he was actually playing this game. And when I said your name, he was like, what? And then he went to <laughs> the planet where your character's on. He's like, that's her. That of, course, <laughs> that of course is the one, the only Eris Morn. Now, before we dissect, kind of get a little bit deeper with Eris, can you give us just a brief overview about the character? And he, fun anecdote stories involved when getting the role and anything else you can think of.
1: Oh man, yeah, Eris is, talk about like a series, like a a lifetime of events leading up to, a lifetime of small events leading up to um, this. uh, It is the number of happenstances that brought me to Eris are unfathomable they're like too many to count and it's like if any one of them would have gone a different way this just would not have happened and i feel so so fortunate to um have been given the opportunity even to have auditioned for her which I, i i did i i um i auditioned for her and and uh it was just it felt like a like a i feel like i got her immediately um so Eris Morn is a, a guardian who her fire team, which is like her, her crew, her, uh, they go to the, m- the moon to fight the Hive, and um, everyone in her team dies except for her. And instead of leaving, she decides to stay and live amongst the Hive. And so she is this... Uh, The way she was first to describe, the way she was first described to me going into the audition is that we're really just not sure. We're not sure, is is she good? Is she evil? She is, but more than that, does she even know? And she's on the, um, she's on this precipice of madness and she could go either way. And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds, I want to, I want to, I want to read for that. That sounds great. Like, I love that. I love the question marks of that. I love the not knowing. I love the, um, the shroud and the mystery and the not giving it all away of that. Um, it, that is actually a theme throughout my work of like, I don't know which way does she go. And, um, yeah. Um, an anecdote. Um, well, I will say that, that how I got into this role, and this has kind of become a great a fun story for, for fans of, of Destiny that maybe not everybody knows yet, is that I started in this role um, by... I, I was the voice of the hive. I did the vocal sound design for um, the hive, like the, the creatures, the screeches and the screams, and, and um, I, I was brought back and there was like a, a a sentiment of like, wouldn't there be a lot of, wouldn't it be very poetic that the person who voices Eris, who lived among the Hive, turns out to be the same person who actually voiced the Hive. And, uh, and that's how it happened.
0: I'll throw you a fun anecdote right back, especially uh-huh. about the Hive. I was, you actually are, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, guilty of making me break a controller. Because uh, when I was playing Destiny 2 one night, uh, this was, oh man, I feel like. It had to have been at least a year, uh, maybe less, but I was playing in the dark like a fool and I'm uh, very easily scared. So I was playing and then all of a sudden, I hear this loud screech right in my ear, because again, I was playing with headphones like a fool. I throw my controller <laughs> up in the air, it hits the ceiling. I still, I see the divot right there. <laughs> and uh, the crew breaks and sure enough, uh, tomorrow, or the day after I buy another DualShock 4 controller. Uh, was that
1: from uh, the voice of Omnigol? I died. Or was no. it? We, or we, was, we, was it just we, a, a hive? It, it had.
0: I believe it was the omnigul because I died soon after. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but but so, I'm
1: so honored that there's a uh, hole in your ceiling because <laughs>
0: <of> you. <laughs> it's right there. But uh, getting back to Eris, though, mm-hmm. Eris' story is it's equal parts interesting and tragic. Mm-hmm. So kind of a whole story. It's kind of centered around guilt. You know, survivor's guilt, rather, mm-hmm. tragedy, and kind of her quest to kind of find that revenge she's seeking for her fallen comrades. So while playing this character, was it ever difficult to kind of get into that dark headspace in order to give such a compelling and believable performance?
1: Uh, I definitely had a process for it, and I took it very seriously, which was... Appropriate, I think, for the character, and um, I. uh, One of the things that really struck me about this, her journey, uh, going to the moon, going into the pit, where she said, where you know, we went down into the pit, um, six of us went into the pit, and uh, it, it very much reminded me of. yeah i'm as i said i'm I'm from New Orleans, and it reminded me of um heading back to New Orleans after Katrina and where it was this this everybody else is going the opposite way and I just had this this sense of like we're we're going the wrong way and we don't know what we're gonna find when we get there and this unknown like this going it felt it was like i i identified with that, so I definitely had all my Katrina experiences very present and I am no stranger to um, loss and death in my own life. Um, so I feel like as a person, um, it's never really far <laughs> <laughs> beneath the surface for me anyway. Um, that's not to say I'm not a joyful, happy, peaceful, well-adjusted individual, but it's it's there and I've and I I have access to that um so I would th- I would think about these things and I would um I would listen to very specific music and I would go to um because I used to record at Bungie and I would go to a certain kind of little corner of the garage and like be in like this darkness and just kind of get into the headspace of of that. I'm sure like I walked in, I was like, Hello. <laughs> Let's just go right into it. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that I think that answers the question.
0: Uh, well, I mean, this might be a bit of an odd trans like transition, but uh, yeah. to address Jared, who just Uh, message VisionCon directly about the story I just told about my ceiling. Now, Jared, my ceilings, I kind of have low bearing ceilings. I didn't just Tom Brady, the controller. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but moving on to a character that maybe didn't have quite as tragic of a backstory, but whose story definitely went more kind of on the tragic side, even though Mm -hmm. definitely started out as a more positive Mm mentor-esque role. That character, of course, is the legendary Light Hope. Now, kind of similar, before we take a deep dive, just give us a general overview about Light Hope, getting the part in anything else.
1: Yeah, so Light Hope is what is called a first one's technology. She is an ancient technology uh, in the Shira universe. And she, um, we, when we meet her, she is... Um, she it becomes uh, Shira's guide and mentor, giving her, uh, letting her keep, be, getting her aware of a very specific mission that she needs to go on. And she has to do all this training to, um, to, to do it. Um, uh, while She-Ra is like, no, I see like injustices that need to be taken care of, I have to help my friends, we have to do, we have to fix this, she's like tries to keep her on this very specific, very academic, one might say, path. Um, uh, and for for me, like the idea is, is, is she good or bad? Is she like good and then turns bad? But it's like, well, she actually, what was she all along? Because... Um, I mean, I don't want to like give anything away for anyone who hasn't watched it, but, um, yeah, I, she, there are question marks about her and where she is and and what her intents are. And, um, and for, for Shira, I remember when I got the audition, just read, just like read, like I received the email, like here, Morla, audition for this. I cried, I cried because I love She-Ra so much. I grew up on She-Ra and I remember Light Hope specifically. Re- light Hope was originally just like this beam of rainbow and sparkle kind of light and was voiced by um, a male. Um, and uh, so it was a male voice. And so I, I, uh, I was so just, <laughs> thrilled and excited that the that that this was that this show was coming around again and 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 that i even had a chance to to voice this character and i um i i tell you my video game knowledge definitely came in handy for this because i went full glados on it i was just (laughs) like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna i'm just gonna throw that at it and just see what happens i can always like tune it, you know, bare back. But uh yeah, I went I went full GLaDOS. And um and uh yeah, some some interesting mo- well one interesting kind of moment or fun little anecdote is that um the uh like the 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 ble- like the the um oh what is it called when she she like uh, skips, like her voice skips and stutters. Oh, like like the glitching? Like the glitching, thank you. That's the word I was looking for, glitching. The glitching, I did, I did that myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> really? I always thought that was like some audio trick. I love
1: vocal sound design. I love any way, I love just getting my voice to do impossible, crazy things. Like, it's like, that's impossible. I'm gonna figure out how to do that. So yeah, okay. I love that.
0: Yeah. Well, with Light Hope's transition into kind of being in like an old and like a mentor slash role to Adora. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a friend definitely. But then later on in the series, definitely mm-hmm. took a more, uh, spoiler alert now, guys, you have, <laughs> if you watch this later on uh, YouTube or Spotify, skip forward maybe about five or so minutes. But uh, for anybody else, kind of towards the end of the show, at least with season four, she definitely mm-hmm. took a more antagonistic role in yes. the show. So with that large kind of development as Light Hope, Were there any moments that kind of stuck with you maybe more than others?
1: Well, I remember in one one session in particular, I think uh, Light Hope goes through a number of different transitions because she is getting rebooted over and over again. And so every time she gets rebooted, it's like a different kind of version of herself. So she's her original self. I think then like the hologram self, which is like a a more, a, like more of a gladosy, like a more um like the more computerized version of herself and then there's all these different versions and then it was like so exciting when um then all of a sudden she takes this very dark turn and she goes like oh no not light hope and i love that and that was all done in one in one day and it was so fun it was so much fun Yeah, that was a very powerful, fun kind of journey of a session. Another one was the very first one that I ever did with the voice actor who um, voices Mara. Because she and I wound up, we 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 were like, after that, we were like, best friends. And she and I are like, dear, dear friends now from that. And then the other one is another session with Mara at the very end and I just remember when that was done everything just like was so quiet in the studio after and then just like because it was you know I didn't know if there was going to be anything more there's going to be any like for it was the ending of this relationship in this very powerful way was the ending of that season and it was like oh I for me like I'm done with this series. And it was so emotional. It was so, like, it was just so quiet. Like all of a sudden we hear (laughs) people are like around or like crying. It was, it was lovely. It was, it was um, like a magical you know, magical Hollywood moments.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Well, if you guys haven't watched it already or like in the midst of watching, but haven't finished it, highly recommend it. It's on Netflix if you guys have Netflix. So go check it out. Now, before we transition into this next character, or should I say characters, (sighs) I want to tell an anecdote this time. So this game, let me preface, my favorite VR game of all time, Hard Stop. Whenever, I forget the exact date the PlayStation VR came out, but the day it came out, like a fool, I didn't pre-order it. So I'm calling all of these places for them, all sold out except for my local Best Buy. And I'll always remember this because it's probably one of the one and only times I've ever intentionally sped somewhere. So I'm driving like a maniac to my Best Buy, get there, dead sprint through the parking lot into Best Buy, I see the far electronics aisle down there, breakneck speed. All of a sudden, toddler comes out from the aisle. And if you asked me to do this again, I could not. But this was a rare, dexterous feat of agility where I literally jumped over this kid and got into the line and I was then the proud owner of the last PlayStation VR my local Best Buy had at the time. <laughs> the reason I tell this is because it came with a demo disc full of a bunch of things, things being games, that were, it showed off the hardware, but it was very much a demo. The thing about it though, is that all the games that I bought since then felt the same in, a, in the sense of they were amazing, You know, VR is incredible. Don't play it too long at first, or you're gonna throw up. I know Mm -hmm. that from experience. But a lot of them just felt like demos. That is until I purchased off the PlayStation Store, the game known only (laughs) as, I'm trying to preface it because I forgot to click on the thing. Um, Known only as Moss. Now, again before we dive dive deep just give us a general overview of moss and you know any fun stories involved anything at all
1: oh moss is the sweet heroic tale of a mouse a warrior mouse uh named quill and um fun story is the 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 guy who hired me for the hive in destiny is the same person who brought me on board for, uh, for Moss. Um, and he's a, he a dear, dear friend. So he is very familiar with my son and I, and, um, and yeah, my son has known him his whole life and, um, Bedtime story is just a very, very important part of um, our daily ritual. I read to him every night. And, uh, and Stephen Hottie, Stephen Hottie, who, by the way, is on this mug right here. Stephen, ah! Hottie. Uh, Stephen Hottie is, uh, he wanted to capture that. And so um, uh, Moss is told like a like a like a like you're reading a book it's there is actual a a book that you turn the page in in the in the game and then we move into the the world of moss and um and it's told via narrator and one thing that i do with my son is that i voice the characters as they speak while i while i'm reading and so we just did the same kind of approach for that as well. And so I I narrate the story and then voice all the the characters
0: within it. And see, it's on that because during one of our preliminary video calls, you mentioned that Mm because like I told you, Moss is by far my favorite VR game of all time. And at first, I'm not gonna say I didn't believe you, but I found (laughs) I was I was kind of surprised. And so then after we were done with that video call, I remember right before work, I started replaying Moss, A, because it's Moss, but also B, I just wanted to kinda listen to it. And after you told me that, I could hear, you know, some characters obviously were more like your voice than others, but others definitely sounded very different and unique. And so with all of these characters that you're voicing, plus being the narrator over this story, uh, and you're having to kind of switch between these characters, often in rapid succession, mm-hmm. is it ever hard doing so? Or is that a talent that you kind of have to acclimate yourself to?
1: Well, you know, this gives a lot of credit to Polyarch because they gave me a lot of freedom to, um, Speak my preferences and guide the direction of how we would proceed. Um, we worked out what the voices would be collectively via uh, table reads, and um, the question was: was like, well, what would it be better for for continuity to just record all of Quill and then record all of you know uh, Argus and or would you know how like how how do we do that it's like well i feel like we have to find a way to really honor the storybook telling of it so it's it is it that was important to me and also to them and so the question was like okay how do how do we do that then because that's it is tricky to jump around so what i wound up doing is um I would think about where the different voices kind of lived in my body, so to speak, like where like when I spoke, where did I feel it, where did I feel it resonate so like like you know, quill, I'm not gonna be able to really accurately do it, but like um, quill would be up here, and so like I would like think about i would that would be her point, and then uh like a a Darren would be like down here, and then Argus would be down here, and so I would. Tap, you know, sometimes it was like, I ran out of spots, shoulder, okay. <laughs> and then, like, just kind of tap all over. And that's how we went through the whole
0: thing. And so it, it definitely was, and I definitely got that vibe after, you know replaying it for a little bit after we got done talking that it definitely presents itself as if you are reading it to us and yet it's such a special game because we are also an active participant in the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, I cannot highly recommend this game enough, guys. If you, I mean, obviously, yes, if you have a VR headset, it is required to play the game, but I highly recommend it if you guys have not already checked it out. Now, this next character, and the final character we're gonna talk to before we move on to the next segment, Mm -hmm. is a character that I had to familiarize myself with. (laughs) But I will say after doing so, um, a bit of a sidebar. You take one look at me, I don't think it's hard to imagine that I'm not the biggest first person shooter fan, except for obviously Destiny. Um, uh, not, not for any uh, reason other than the fact that I'm not good at them. But uh, the Call of Duty, because you know, as a result, was a series I did not really give much stock in. However, researching these next two characters, I think I'm gonna change my tone a little bit. Now, the <laughs> first one I definitely wanna talk about is the ultimate badass herself. I wanna talk about Battery. So, again, just give us a little bit of a brief overview about Battery, and then we're going to actually go on to the next character, and then we'll do the deep dive. But first, just tell us all about Battery.
1: Okay, so Battery is a specialist. Uh, she first appears in uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, and then she also uh, wins, uh, shows up in uh, Black Ops 4, and she's also available on uh, Call of Duty Mobile. But her, her story as a specialist lives in. Um, black Ops. So she is the youngest of a family of uh, military professionals and uh, she's kind of got a lot to prove and uh, and so she she yeah she definitely wears that as you can see she's very overt with that and uh, yeah she one of the things that I love about uh, Battery is that she also has this like, wait a second, which way is she going? I thought she was, but no, oh no, she's, maybe she's not what we thought she was. So she definitely carries in that theme of like, I oh, don't whose side is she on anyway? Um, but I loved, I loved um, inhabiting this character with this just so like,
0: whatever, you know? Well, I mean, kind of jumping on and kind of staying with the theme of badass women, you actually also voice a character a little bit more recently who, I mean, is just as, if not more badass, and that, of course, is the one and only Death Angel Alice. Yes.
1: (laughs) Death Angel Alice is like a whole other thing. I, (laughs) I, this was another kind of character when I got this uh, edition. was like, oh, yeah yes definitely she has a voice um that is kind of like uh think of like m- like military badass meets one of the characters from us so
0: it's like this kind of like whispery
1: but <laughs> like very aggressive so <laughs> um she was a like i was so thrilled i was so thrilled to get that character yeah
0: And with that voice, and you know, with battery as well, and Uh Call of Duty in general, just because I haven't played most of the games doesn't mean I'm not familiar with the gameplay. I mean, it's war. You guys are, you know, screaming left and right, you know, bullets flying everywhere. And from a voice acting perspective, I have to assume that those VO sessions Mm -hmm. are probably a little bit more dexterity-inducing and intense than maybe some others. So with that said, is there anything that you do Maybe uh, when you know in advance, maybe not just necessarily Battery or Death Angel Alice, but when you know in advance you're going into a voice acting session that is gonna be a bit more intense than you know some of the others, is there anything that you do to kind of prep for those? Anything you do during them? And then maybe anything you do afterwards to kind of recover your voice?
1: Yeah, I definitely, um, my warm up, my prep in general is pretty <laughs> extensive. I kind of, I cut out, Sugar and milk a couple days before. Uh, definitely stay away from any kind of alcohol for a number of days before uh, any sessions, just to keep the cords very um, limber and uh, and uh, um, not uh, and 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 hydrated. Keep them hydrated. And uh, I my warm up is i i i sing the entire i sing the entire um first act of into the woods as my (laughs) as my warm-up all the voices and uh and then depending on what i need like uh like sometimes if i need like a deeper voice i'll find some music that um goes deeper or like i have to like get something that's like a specific kind and if i know that it needs to be if it's like monologues or like something long winded i i work on songs that have a lot of need require a lot of breath support but um more than in addition to that i there's a whole method of warm up called the link letter method that i subscribe to that is very invaluable to me as well um for combative type sounds or like you know the, uh, the like the vocal sound design like zombies and things like that i um i just you know, have really good breath support. And then, um, and I just listen to my body to make sure that there's like, I'm not like, I'm going as far as I can without hurting myself. And then I have a ton of water and tea and like, like all like this little quat juice. That's like this thick medicinal kind of juice that I, and like all like sprays of all sorts that I just kind of do in between just to keep it all together. And then, uh, at this point by now, like it's like, it's fine. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I can do a good, I can do a, a, a shouting session, maybe have a little, a little, my voice is a little deeper, but it's, it's like, it's.
0: You're professional. Learning how to do it. Y'all, <laughs> <laughs> you went it all in stride, right?
1: Yeah. The first, the first session that I did that was like that, I had two days back to back. They were
0: three or four hours
1: each and my voice was shot for weeks. Yeah. Uh, I learned my (laughs) (laughs) lesson.
0: Well, speaking of lessons, kind of seamless transition to our next segment. Uh, A lot of people that watch this show, Morla, obviously are here to see and meet the fantastic guests we have, one of which is sitting right before me. But a bunch of people also watch this show because they either want to get in the entertainment industry, or already are, and just want to know what to do next. So I want you to keep that in mind for these next two questions. The first one of which being about rejection. So, like I've said before, guys, rejection's part of life no matter how you look at it. However, if I were to say there is ever an industry where rejection's probably most prevalent, it would definitely be your industry, which is of course the entertainment industry. So, for the folks watching at home that either want to get in the entertainment industry or already are, just wanna know where to go next, how would you advise them to handle rejection once it inevitably comes, does it get any easier? Or if it doesn't, just how would, what advice would you give them to handle rejection?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, in many ways, in many ways, it does get easier. If I think about the first time that I auditioned for something and I got a no, versus now getting a no. um, Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely easier. Of course, that varies, that changes depending on how much I want a role or how much I was felt certain that I would get it or something like that. Um, uh, it it does, it does, it does get somewhat easier over time. The, the, the thing about auditions, it's like going for a job interview every, like every day. Like it's like, it's like go, it's like putting yourself out there every time and knowing that it's a um it's a numbers game. I'm sure people have said this, given this advice or said this, but it's a numbers game, knowing that there's a good chance that I'm going to get rejected for this. But somehow finding a way to be hopeful and still give your full self to over to a character and then and then um and then also knowing that it very well may not happen. So I think um I think. For me, rejection hits differently. You know, I, I there's not one type of way that rejection hits me. So it I have like a, a tool bag of of things to that I that I go to depending on how I'm feeling about it. Um I it can be as simple as um anytime I step into the booth. To record an audition, it's never not worth it. I'm always learning something. I'm always getting something from it. Um, mic technique, distance from mic, refining distance from mic, learning like, oh, wait, oh, wow, I really did get some closes on, on that. I thought I had that mastered. Let me revisit that. So there's always something more to learn. And there's, um, it's never not worth it. It's never not a learning experience if you allow it to be. Um, So also just knowing, kind of sometimes going into it with the mind that, knowing that going into it makes it, you know, sometimes that lowers the stakes enough so it doesn't feel like you have to get it. So you're maybe more inclined to be relaxed and deliver something closer to what they're looking for. Um, Another thing with rejection, Knowing that uh, it's like one thing that I, I say to myself is like this is all part of the unfolding. I didn't get back because it's making room for something else that I do need to need, or I needed to learn a lesson I needed to I needed to learn a lesson from that. I needed to be available for something else and um, and keeping I guess uh, anything else with rejection. Um,
0: Guests have said in the past that uh, it's not about you. It's not yeah. that you did a bad session or that sure. your skills aren't good. It's just that they were looking for something else. Is that something you might agree with?
1: For sure. And that's really the hard thing to, to hear and believe sometimes because it does feel so personal, but it isn't personal. It's not, it's not personal. I, I just got, I just got turned down for a role that I thought sure I was going to get. Like I have known the people involved and I was like, yeah, this is great. This is great. And then i um like, no problem. I, oh, this role is great. No, wonderful. No worries. And I did it and I felt confident about it. And then I didn't hear anything back. And that's the other thing you generally don't hear back. But this, um, the, I, I did hear back. And at first it was like,
0: oh. Wow,
1: and then I put myself in um, this person's position. It's like you know, I must that must be really a really really difficult um, job. That must be a really difficult job to have. And I can only imagine what's going on over there. And I know, I know that it, that has nothing to do with me personally. And uh, and then I wound up turning it into what I hope is another opportunity. It's Like, hey, what can you tell me about? my audition that might be beneficial to me. I and that was like a, um, uh, an opportunity that I, could ca- that I could jump on because I was in direct contact with the person, but yeah.
0: That's a very positive way of looking at it.
1: Oh, that's just, that's my mom through and through. Like, <laughs> it's always a learning experience. It's always a learning experience. And it's like, and it's, it's, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure it is. But if you allow yourself to feel it and believe that, then um it it does kind of it does
0: it it does help. It does help. Well and speaking of experience, you know, you definitely have a bunch of it more or less. So for the folks watching it at home uh, that again either want to get in the entertainment industry or already are and just want to know where to go next, what advice would you give them? Maybe some advice that you wish you had when you first started out? Um
1: Yeah, well what I uh my kind of like way of of getting in was like attending conferences and and going to hangs and um and uh just trying to learn all learn all the um learn all the aud- learn the names of all the audio directors from the games that i really liked and like learn their games so that if i ever had the opportunity to talk with them that i would be you know I could talk with them about their game and like that's just a and it's authentic it's a genuine way of connecting with developers um and 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 I would get that opportunity to meet with them at um like the game developers uh conference and and uh different conferences of that like that um but one thing that is super important that um i think often gets missed is that learn who you're coming up with too don't just look at the people who are established everybody's trying to meet with them look around at the people who are making stuff that are just starting out as well um they're they're that's 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 your That's like your class, you know, that's like your that's like your graduating graduation class. Right. Like those are like create with them and then um, grow up with them. I have I have uh, people who I remember once I was told, don't pay any mind to those people, they're just getting started and they can't help your career at all. And I was like, well, I don't care that they can't. I just like them. I think they're interesting people and I want to hear what they have to say. They're energetic and enthusiastic about things in the same way that I am. And I, and I did, and I've worked with like all, like I'm thinking all those people, I'm like, I've worked with all of them now. And they work on like, you know, the people who are at the top eventually aren't there and new people are coming up. So
0: learn, learn who, learn who you can grow up with. Ooh, put that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, if you haven't already, now is your final chance to either message VisionCon directly or put in your live chat the reviewers' comments and questions, because ladies and gentlemen, we're in the plug zone. Morla like Gorondona, now is oh. your opportunity to plug, promote, advertise, whatever verb you want to use, anything you want, the floor is yours. Oh,
1: well, um, my, I, I'm, I like Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm, 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 I'm in there. I love, I love fan art and I always, I try my very best to, um, reach out to people whenever they make comments or say something nice. I, I'm. I like to, I like to respond. I like to, uh, yeah, for if people are being nice, I like to be nice back. And so uh, my Twitter is uh, at actor underscore Morla. I also have Instagram, but that's mostly like my adventures in the world, which is fun. I mean, I I say go take a look at it, but (laughs) it's mostly mostly just me and the things that I do in the world. so that's, uh, that's at MorlaVox. Yep. I also have a website. Um, so if you want to see what other, other games that I've worked on, uh, that, that's a, that's an in, that's, there's information about that. And that's my name, MorlaGorandona.com. Yep. And
0: if you're watching this live on Facebook, I got all those links in the live chat, or if you're watching this later on YouTube, gonna be down there in the description box below guys. <laughs> and with that, we're going out of the plug zone and going right. Into our final segment, viewers' comments and questions. So, like I usually do, guys, just gonna do about half and half, some in the messenger and some in the live chat. So, let me pull it up real quick. All right, okay, so James tuned in and said, Hey, Morla, huge fan, and on February 9th, it's my birthday. So, I just wanted to say thank you for such a wonderful early birthday present.
1: Oh my goodness. How sweet is that? Well, happy
0: <laughs> early birthday, James. Oh. And then, uh, Ooh, let me pull up Aaron. All right, Aaron. So he said, um, in honor of bed knobs and broomsticks golden anniversary this year, if you had a magic bed knob, where would you like the bed to take you? Okay. So think like a magic bed, like a magic carpet. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Um, Okay. Be- P.S. Bedknobs and Broomsticks—that's one that I'll have to put on my list for my son and I to read. I'm always looking for a new book. It's like, oh yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so thank you for that. Um, where, where would I go? So it's like anywhere in space and time.
0: I think so. Well, let's okay. go ahead and go with that.
1: Oh gosh. Um, I know we are like rushed for time, so I gotta like figure where, where would I go? I, I, I would, um, I would want go back and be. Katherine um, Hepburn's friend. I would want to like be her like assistant or just like her friend. I would just want to be near her. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, uh, Chris tuned in. He said two things. Uh, first he said, just gave you a follow, Morla, on Twitter. And, uh, and then he also said, uh, I see that you're listed as an additional voice in Star Wars The Old Republic. Who did mm-hmm. you voice? <laughs>
1: <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Um so additional voices uh yeah. I yeah, was wrong. probably someone would like go over this way. You know, it was like yeah. like just like kind of like a probably didn't even have a name actually. But it was just like <laughs> either like background in a scene kind of like worrying about something that was going on in a, like in in that world
0: at that time, but um yeah. It was
1: a short
0: session. <laughs> I turned in and said, uh, what's your favorite Guardians of the Galaxy episode that you starred in?
1: Oh, it would have to be the, the Destroyer. <laughs> Whereas Zeron, the Destroyer, is where she finally arrives on the scene. And, and uh, yeah, she was there great. You know. And I got to uh, play opposite David Sobolov, who is magnificent.
0: <laughs> Well a Tiffany tuned in and said, "Hey Morla, I'm a big fan but I kind of have an off the wall question I love your hair what products do you use <laughs> well
1: <laughs> I love it I love it um i I use uh what is it my my colorist her name is melissa and she owns a salon called comb and honey and she is fantastic and i highly recommend her and uh and i use um like kevin murphy and formula 18.
0: those are the ones that i usually go for yeah um yeah (laughs) we got time for about two more uh jonathan tuned in and said what are some of the hardest voices you've ever had to do? Mmm. Hmm.
1: Two uh hardest voices. Um I think uh I think I think the the ones that are like super super okay, I would say one of the hardest voices that I ever had to do was a character called May in um 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 oh my gosh, Saints and Sinners, The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners. Uh, It was an accent, a very, very, very specific kind of New Orleans accent. It was like from like a specific neighborhood in New Orleans kind of accent. And on top of that, it was just like open, like rip your heart open kind of hurt and agony. And, it was for that, it was like maintaining the uh integrity of the accent while also going there fully emotionally. Um that was that was really um challenging. And um and then I think uh I think the uh the stock I think was, oh gosh, I hope it's the stock. I'm I'm gonna say which character it is, but it's from the um from the last of us the um the, the, stock, the version of zombie that i was like the the it, it's so spec it was so specific the way like to like to to really narrow in to the degree that i have been zombified or infected right so no, like not too like not too far it's like this like this very niche kind of place and um dialing that in it was very and it was very performancey it was like it's not just like you know making zombie sounds doing crazy screeches it was like it was such a artful way that they want that that they that it was directed to be of this like it's like own entity like its own special kind of degree of um infected it was challenging but a lot of fun a
0: lot of fun I was about to say, that leads perfectly to our final questions, because Lily tuned in and said, Hey, Marla, I loved you as the stalkers, and then she put in parentheses, but was also terrified. Was that a fun role to do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I like, you know, and I, I love, like I said, I love the space where voiceover and sound design Uh, me like so zombie voices like hive creature things Um, vocal sound design is such a interesting like never-ending place of discovery like finding like different oh wow I never noticed that sinus cavity way back there let's see how I can make it vibrate and what sound comes out and uh, and I I it's, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's kind of a strange hobby, but there are, I, there are people before me like Mike Patton and Lisa Gerard who just like do this amazing stuff with their headspace and voice. And uh, it's, I, I'm, I, if I did not, well, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say if I did nothing but that, I'd be happy. and That's not true. I, if I had, if I did half my work was that, I would be just
0: utterly satisfied. Well, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, that's about all the time we got for episode 51 of VisionCon Live. And before we sign off, Morla, any final thoughts to leave us on or sage-like wisdom?
1: Oh my goodness, you know, I just want to say thank you so much, Zach. You've been just remarkable and wonderful and made this whole thing um, a pleasure. I've had a wonderful, wonderful time. So thank you so much. Thank
0: you, oh my God. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to VisionCon Live episode 51. I'm, of course, your host, Zach Wilson, but much more importantly, this has been my very special guest, Morla Gorondona. Make sure to check out all the links down in the uh, description box below, and check out our friends over at the HOP Network, and always remember, guys, that life's better when you guys have friends to share it with.